Welcome to Free Wheeling with Carden of Milk. I'm Carden Wyckoff, global disability advocate and a wheelchair warrior. This podcast shares stories of people with various disabilities and shines a new light on accessibility topics. Our goal is to knock down barriers so we can roll through life a little easier and build a community to do this together. We welcome you on our journey towards equality for all. Welcome to another episode of Free Wheeling with Carden of Milk. Tonight, I have Brandon Winfield in the house. Hey, yo, in the house. <laughs> Brandon and I uh, met through the app that you have. You want to tell us a little bit about that app? Yeah, my app, iAccess Life. Our company name is iAccess Innovations, but we want to focus our product towards people accessing life again. Um, this allows people to rate and review locations based on their accessibility. You can rate the parking, the entrance, the bathroom, the interior space, and just kind of get people peace of mind so they can know before they go. And it's awesome. And I know when I saw your video on Facebook, I actually think I saw it through a friend. A friend shared it with me. Well, that's good. We're um, doing our it job. It was Jasper. Um, oh, yes. Jasper shared it with me and was like, Cardin, have you, do you know these people? They live in Atlanta. And I was like, no, but I'll DM them. And that's kind of how we got connected. Yeah, I actually went to school with Jasper from... Probably met her fifth grade, sixth grade, something like that. We've <laughs> known each other for a while. So it was really yeah. cool that we connected that way. Forgot about that. Sure. Um, and so with the app, kind of what was the, what's the story behind the app? Why did you <laughs> even decide to create an app for people with disabilities? Yeah, so I got hurt racing dirt bikes when I was 14 years old. Um, luckily for me, I knew the risk of what I was doing and it helped me adjust to being in a wheelchair. I just kind of saw it as another injury and how are we going to recover and how are we going to find something fun to do? And I just wanted life to go back to being as normal as possible. Um, wanted to hang out with my same friends, wanted to just go out and have fun. Um, I feel like the common misconception of people with disabilities is that we stay inside. Um, there's a whole thing of like, oh, he's going to be a vegetable or whatever it may be. And it's like, we don't do anything, but that's really far from the truth. And I started traveling with friends to different events, in Vegas or California, Florida, and just noticed this lack of accessibility from place to place. And there was no way to really find any information on it unless you wanted to call in and ask somebody that may not know about accessibility needs if their location is accessible. So I decided that we needed the Yelp of accessibility. Um, I went to church one day with my mom and they, it was a new year's Eve service. And they were talking about, instead of focusing on your resolutions, how can you help your community? Cause you're probably going to give up on your resolutions in the first month. And <laughs> I, I was rolling to my car and like, as, as soon as I went to go touch the door handle, I still remember it clear as day. Just like, it was that light bulb moment of just like, I need to make an app. And I had no idea how to make an app, had no business background. It was just something I was super passionate about for selfish reasons at first. It was to like help myself find places and to be able to go out and have a good time. And then it turned into this whole thing of like, well, we could help a whole bunch of people. I remembered yeah. everybody at Shepherd Center that had seemed to have given up hope on living a normal life again or just being themselves again. And there's people that end up being shut-ins because of that. So mm. I wanted to encourage people to explore and still have a good time. And what an incredible app that you've built. <laughs> and I know you've partnered with a few other people to help make it a dream. Um, but also I, I kind of want to dive deep into the why behind it and 
like you were mentioning, some people have kind of given up hope. And what has it been like for you? What was it like during the first month, the first year, six months, whatever? Um, and tell us specifically what you what you have, what was your injury, and you currently use a wheelchair like yeah. me. So I got hurt when I was 14. Um, the bike ended up hitting me in the back when I crashed. I went over the bars and the bike chased me and only would have fractured my neck or something like that in the accident. But the bike hit me and broke my spine clean through at the T7, T8. So I'm a complete paraplegic and yeah, use a push wheelchair now and still lucky today to have the use of my arms and the things that I do have and very excited about that. But the whole thing from that with the app came from just I got tired of going places and feeling like I was a burden to people, um, having to get lifted up steps or if I couldn't get in the bathroom, accidentally peeing myself and having to go home early. And yeah. it just felt like I, we were an afterthought and I've never been somebody to create a scene or kind of create a stink about something not being accessible. I usually like to like lay low and just do my own thing and not be noticed. So I decided to develop something that gave us a platform that would at least allow people to know where to go that was accessible and what wasn't accessible. And hopefully chain of events would be that these people have a fear of missing out on being an accessible venue because bring $43 billion a year to travel and leisure. And that's because we tend to travel with companions. So it's not like these places are just missing out on us. They're missing out on our friends and family members or uh, caregivers or whoever it may be. It was just something that took a while to flesh out everything and what we're going to do. And after talking to a bunch of people, we started to realize that we could help people with vision impairments, hearing impairments, parents with strollers, just a whole ride people that need accessibility information. And hopefully we can provide that for them down the road. And what are some of those common misconceptions that people with disabilities, I know we want to talk specifically to what you have. So I guess, dive into some of the misconceptions of people using a wheelchair that you face that you want to bring light to. I mean, when I got hurt, I was 14 and I ended up turning 18 and then 21 and I wanted to go out and go to the bars and be at the clubs and meet women and do everything that everybody else that's ambulatory does. And I think a lot of people just think that we'll stay inside, that we're depressed. Uh, we don't care to find any outdoor activities to do or things like that, that nature, because it would be hard for us to do, but we always find a way to figure it out just like anybody else would. So I think that's just the, the biggest misconception is that we don't want to explore. We don't want to participate in sports. We don't want to socialize <laughs> with people or be out in the community. That's so far from the truth because that's so key to our mental health and physical health is just being a part of everything else and just making sure that you can access things and just kind of having that be normal. And what are some of the fun sports that you do so that are adaptive? Adaptive, I guess, go-karting is the major one right now because we have to make hand controls. And we actually just got back from a 24-hour race in Orlando last weekend. And we got 10th in the pro class. I mean, it's yeah, it's really cool because we're not always going to be like level playing field with people that have, you know, that can use their core and use their legs to help them plant themselves and pivot or whatever. But it's almost like the thing that we can be most competitive at with everybody else that's able-bodied, essentially. And yeah, we have hand controls built on for the gas and the brake. It was me, two other guys in wheelchairs, and then two other people that weren't to help us out as well. And we completed a 24-hour race for the second time, finished 10th in the pro class, 15th in our whole group, and just had a good time. And I've never felt so accomplished doing something in my life. So that was really cool. you were competing with 
I guess, able-bodied people. Able-bodied people. A lot of guys are actually professional drivers that race like the Rolex 24 and Daytona. And like these guys. And you came in 10th? Yeah, we came in 10th. We didn't do too bad. (laughs) We had some, we had a couple really good drivers on our team and we weren't bad either. We were only like a second or two off the pace, but we were consistent. We stayed clean. Like we didn't get, well, we ended up getting taken out at the end, which we should have been eighth or seventh, but we got taken out, unfortunately. But yeah, it was really cool to be a part of that. And from there, I mean, I play basketball for fun. I love tennis. I really need to get back in a, in like a chair that's suited for that. So I could actually yeah. really give like a good attempt at that. Kayaking. I want to go skydiving soon. Something I really want to do. I think all my sports are mostly like adrenaline based, <laughs> kind of like <laughs> close to death, essentially. So anything of that nature or has a motor or some kind of adrenaline based thing, I guess maybe even gambling is a sport. I don't know. Yeah. But that, that gets me excited too. But. Yeah, all those things. I, I really want to go scuba diving as well. So, scuba diving. I've actually seen there's it's like hearts diving hearts or something. They're up and they're here. Dive heart. Yeah, dive so, hearts. Yeah, or somebody gave me a, bra- a band for that. Them. I need um, to do that. It Forgot. was. It's too far from for me just to get up there because you have to go weekly or something and like. You have, to, oh, you have to go weekly. Or I don't. I don't remember the schedule. Got to get somebody. Like I know your sister ago. will take you. She's always down to do. Yeah, whatever she you're can for. probably do it. Yeah. Yeah. Dive hearts is something. It's here um, up in like the Smyrna Vinings area. Oh, that's not far. Um, you can make. That. Yeah, you can do it because you're right in Dunwoody. <laughs> so, well, adaptive sports. It's so cool how the world is totally transformed, and there's even companies out there that are designed to help with adaptive sports and also adaptive adventures to take people with disabilities on those great adventures. Yeah, I think we're in a perfect time. Well, almost a perfect time. Like we're on the preface of being yeah. in the perfect time for inclusivity and people making sure everything's accessible for everybody and everybody's comfortable. So what we're just trying to do is help be a part of that and kind of give some feedback because a lot of people don't know until you're in that situation. Like I can't put myself in your shoes and know exactly what you deal with every day unless I was in that situation. So it's just about kind of bringing awareness and light to it in a fun way. We don't want to bash places. We don't want right. to tear down places or say, close them down. You know, it's more of just a, Hey, you could improve with your entrance or you can improve with your parking spaces or your interior space is too tight. That's what you can do. And that's ultimately what we hope to do in the future is just make accessibility sexy. Let people know that we're out and we're <laughs> having fun and we're doing stuff and we're young adults and. Even older adults as well. Just trying to live our best life. Trying to live our best life. (laughs) And speaking more to paraplegia, I guess, what is the appropriate way of identifying yourself when people ask you? Or even if you put that identity tag on you, do you say? So this may not be the best answer, but for me, words only have as much power as you give to them. Mm. So when people (laughs) – I actually have a funny story I'll get to in a second, but – I guess if you want to be politically correct, I would say mobility impaired okay. is the best way to go about saying it. Physic- uh, physically, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me. I don't care. Yeah. I know not everybody's going to know the correct way to say it. And I know they're not trying to be offensive or be harmful in any way. Sure. So it doesn't matter. But I guess if you want to be politically correct, mobility impaired. But yeah, the other day I was doing pitch practice in Atlanta Tech Village and they had you stand up and do the pitch. Of course, I can't stand up. <laughs> so I backed away from the table to try to like make sure I could be seen by everybody. And this lady's like, stand up. And I was just like, ah, like that's, I thought she had seen me once. I was like, ah, that's really funny. She's like, no, stand up. Like I can't see you. <laughs> oh, and man. so I was just like, wheelchair. And she's, she felt so bad. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's just things like that. Like people don't know and they're not meaning to be offensive. So just don't go out of your way to be too helpful, I guess, and just kind of be kind. Like, hey, do you need assistance with that? No. Okay. <laughs> and so that's that another that. thing is do you prefer people asking when uh, asking to help or do you just allow people to go on in and jump in? I hate it. You hate when I hate people when jump people in. Help. Yeah, this is the whole mm. this goes back to the whole thing of just wanting to be I mean, if you talk to my mom, I've always been super independent and would just take off when I was like 4 or 5 years old and just go do what Brandon wanted to do and I didn't need anybody else. And I guess that definitely still reigns true today with how I am. I feel like I can do a lot of things on my own. There's definitely things I'll need help with and I'm not afraid to ask for that help. But I know people aren't meaning bad when they ask me if I need help. They're trying to be good or do good or just kind of maybe feel good for themselves or whatever it may be or look good in front of a friend. But yeah, I just, I hate it, but it's not a bad thing. I just prefer to like do it on my own. I have a method to my madness. I usually get asked for help when I'm putting my wheelchair together, like getting in and out of the car Mm. is when people most ask me. And I think it's hilarious. Like when the whole wheelchair is together and I'm like putting on the seat, like you need help. And I'm like, it's already done. (laughs) I got here. Right. Like, (laughs) so that's interesting because I feel the complete opposite. You know, your own personal preference for me. I really don't care if people jump in and help. I don't care if people ask or don't ask. I just, I just say, Thank you so much. (laughs) And what my Nana always told me was when you deny people's help, it is limiting their ability to learn, learn, or I guess check off the box for their good deed for the day. If you want to think of it as like, I never thought about it like that before. (laughs) I I can get that. I mean, and I was like, say no, thank you in the nicest way. I was like, Oh, I got it. I try to like joke around and be like, I've been doing this for so long. Like I know what I'm doing or Usually when people do try to help, especially putting the wheelchair together, they just kind of end up getting in the way and they make it more, the tasks take longer Mm -hmm. than what it should because they don't know how to put the wheel in or whatever it may be. So I usually just prefer to do it myself, but I always like when people ask for help, that means that they're paying attention, that they care. Oh, that's important. Just personal preference. Yeah. When your accident happened, did you feel... Like things were taken away from you, obviously. <laughs> yes. Oh we know God, what that, yes. we both know what that's like. But I always am under the mindset that when one door closes, another opens. So what was it like for you when those things that you were passionate about were taken away from you and you could list off what they are? Something that you really love doing? Like for mm. me, it was running. Yeah. And I really missed running and then getting a power wheelchair. It was awesome because it gave me basically you like, like running again I'm like running again right <laughs> crank that thing yeah. up and let the hair bro- or let the wind blow through your hair um, <laughs> yeah basically um but when that thing that you really loved was taken away from you what was that like and then what have you done to overcome it or have you found anything that's helped you that was to kind of like replace it motocross for me wasn't like how people play football or play baseball usually mm-hmm where it's just like a sport they want to participate in something at school and kind of be a part of it, but they may not really love it. From what I think I was told, like one of my first words was motorbike as a kid growing up. I was always around motorcycles. My daddy surrounded motorcycle. My best friends, they had dirt bikes, and that's how I got into it. And all I ever wanted to do was be a professional motocross racer. Like I didn't care about what college I went to, (laughs) what grades I got. It was just dirt bikes like that's all i wanted to do and there's a saying that four wheels moves the body and two wheels moves the soul and that's that's like the most real thing i've ever heard because you couldn't 
understand the connection that you have with the motorcycle and things that are going on and how everyday life just kind of disappears. Like all the things that you worry about are just completely gone. It's just you and this thing. And I don't know. So when that got taken away, like I lost my whole identity as a person. Like I still don't really know what I like, what I love as much as dirt bikes to this day. I mean, even I access, like it's my passion. now. like, I love helping people. I know that's one of the things I like to do, but uh, there's, there was nothing like motorcycle racing or motocross racing in me that really like moves the needle for me. I started driving go-karts and racing go-karts, which was fun. Yeah. Um, still doesn't move the needle like dirt bikes do, but it's a great time. It was just weird. That was something I really had to cope with when I was in the hospital in Tennessee. Just that first recovery, that's why I got hurt, was in Tennessee. So I was in the ICU and then eventually moved into rehab up there a little bit before I came down to Shepherd Center in Atlanta. I saw so many like overweight people walking into the hospital. I mean like 300, 400 pounds, like big people. And I was only 14 years old and these are adults. And I'm just like, why me? Like I was training, I was exercising, I was doing certain things. Like I was using my body. Like, why did it have to happen to me? Like, why did it get taken away so soon? And it was hard. It was definitely hard for a while. I always tried to keep a positive attitude. Like I said, I was lucky to know that what I was doing was risky and that anything could happen. I'd broken bones before, but this was just a whole other level of injury that was going to be around for a long time, that it wasn't a bone that was just going to heal. And now I had to figure out what, what, what do I like? And so just being there, it sucked. I luckily have such an awesome support system with my family, like my mom, my dad, my sister, um, my best friend, Jake, and that whole family, the Lacey's have been great. And then everybody else around me, they've really picked me up and encouraged me to go do stuff. And whenever I'm down or whenever you have those dark thoughts of just like, because yeah. I feel like a lot of people that end up with an injury or end up in this kind of space kind of have those dark thoughts of, I don't want to be here anymore mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, they've definitely helped turn that around for me. So it's just all about your support group, finding something else that you can do and just knowing that some days are really going to suck. They're really just going to be hard and not going to be fair, but it's not the end. Like there's so many other things you can do and there's so many other good days and so many other people to live for and things to experience. And they lead you down paths of hopefully helping millions of people with the mobile app that allows people to rate accessibility, (laughs) you know, and way to plug it. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I, I sat in the hospital and wondered what the reason was like, why like i always knew everybody says there's a reason for everything and i was like what's this reason like why this yeah there was definitely no idea of an app back then but yeah it it led me to this and it led me to being friends with you and it led me to being friends with saeed and all these people amazing people that i have in my life now and i filtered out all the non-essential people that weren't helping me go anywhere in my life and i think it's helped me mature as a person and grow as an grow as an adult so I don't think I'd have it any other way right now. You know, like, I don't yeah. know if I'd like the person I was before I got hurt. I think it changed me a lot. Oh, you're supposed to silence your I phone know, card. And, gosh, what are you new? <laughs> I thought I did. I silenced my computer. <laughs> wow. That's, yeah. You like the version of yourself after yeah. the injury than before. Of course, I was a kid. I was only like 14 when I got hurt. So, who likes themselves at 14 when you look back at your Facebook (laughs) (laughs) memories and stuff like that. So I I just think that it helped me mature a little bit more. I had to go through some shit, like honestly, just some 
dark times, learning, like relearning life again, how to do that. And just learning who your friends, like who your real friends were, who were going to be around and who just kind of took off and left you essentially because you couldn't do everything else that everybody else was doing. So yeah, I think it turned me into a better person. I mean, I meditate now and I read and listen to podcasts and do things I normally probably wouldn't do if I was just like another dirt bike guy. I went through the same thing with having my progression get more and more advanced with friends just kind of slowly drifting away from your life Mm -hmm. or those that you thought were really close to you realized they feel like you're a burden on them. Yeah. And what it what was that like going through your head when some of best friends or some people in your peer group that Yeah, it was mostly my peer life? group because I would consider my friends that I grew up with in my neighborhood, they're good friends, they're close friends, they're people that you saw most of the time. But a lot of my best friends were in the motocross and they were in different places across the country or across the world sometimes. Everybody that like I kind of went to school with, we had different ambitions and different goals. They cared more about the party that they were going to or how drunk they got the weekend before and things of that nature. And I was more focused on my training and what's the next race and how can I do better? And it was just different mindsets. So like we were cool, like we had fun, but we just, I would go to races on weekends and they would go party on the weekend. And so when we came back during the week, there wasn't much overlap there. There wasn't much to talk about (laughs) with them. So I made most of my best friends and closest friends still to this day at the track. Um, My roommate who was three years older than me, like we weren't even like we knew each other, but we weren't really friends until after my incident. And then we came closer friends and then we started hanging out more. But yeah, with those people that live within my neighborhood, because for a while I couldn't get around so they'd had to come to my house and there wasn't anything too exciting about my house. Um, living in Johns Creek, there's people with lots of money. And so there's other people with mansions and golf courses and things that they can hop on and go do and have a great time. But with me, you'd have to just come kind of sit there and figure out something fun to do, play a board game, play PlayStation, whatever it was. It wasn't that right. exciting. Cause they um, were super outdoor adventure junkies. Right. I don't know if they're more just junkies oh, okay. <laughs> you know what i mean like the ones that were doing pills and oh, doing it, stuff like it. that unfortunately they all went not all of them but a lot of them went down that path of just and maybe that's why i wasn't invited to a lot of stuff too at the same time they were doing things that i wasn't doing they knew that i didn't do drugs or i didn't drink at the time and i probably didn't get invited to a lot of that stuff and then nobody wanted to pick me up and throw my wheelchair in a car either so right. it was hard to come to grips with for a little bit. Like you kind of sit there and you're like, why? Like, and this is like when you're 14. Yeah. 14, 14 15, 15, when 16, when people are getting their driver's license and stuff like that. Right. So it, it sucked because now motocross was gone. So I don't get to see those friends all the time. They're not always there and they're a long ways away. So really all I'm stuck with is the school friends and they weren't always there either. They definitely weren't there. Some of them were, but not all of them. And your house where, People came over and hung out per se. Did you have any modifications <laughs> in it? And were people kind of like the, the peers that you invited over, if you had any special modifications, were they kind of taken aback by it? No. So when I got out of the hospital, luckily my dad was a mechanical engineer in school and his cousin Romney, second cousin, I guess, they had worked on the house. And so our house in Johns Creek was not that accessible at all. I used to have a room that was upstairs 
we had steps in to each and every entrance of the house. But when I came back, they had already built ramps, like a ramp in the garage that was super easy to get in. It's like they had done their research and looked how like what the grade needed to be to get in, like what the incline was, because everything was super easy to get into. Yeah. So they had one in the garage for me and they had one out the back porch so I can come in the back door that way as well. And then they moved all my stuff from upstairs to what was my dad's office space downstairs. So I ended up with a bigger room with my own bathroom. There you go. Me and my sisters to have like a <laughs> Jack and Jill bathroom. So I got my own bathroom, bigger room on the first floor. And then they fitted the shower with one of those things that you can kind of hold the handheld shower things. And that was about it. Luckily, the sink was accessible. The doors are already pretty accessible. Um, all that was left was just getting equipment in there. Yeah, they did a damn good job and i kind of took that for granted back then but i really appreciate it now because i'm sure that was a lot of work and it's so nice that you have that support system that kind of just accepted it and was like well this is what it is and so what can we do to help so built a ramp and did these modifications yeah went and bought a jet ski so i can ride jet skis do do something else so it's just kind of like what do you want to do next you know like we know that you like adrenaline like we know you can't just sit here and not do anything so yeah what do we do next? And yeah, like I said, I've been very lucky to have those people in my life. What other types of modifications do you have in your house to help you? Like for me, I really don't have very many other yeah. than just like a roll-in shower and then some grab bars around the toilet and that's about it. Yeah. For me, I don't really have much at all, honestly. I, Like I said, I got very lucky like for what it was that I could still use my arms and do things of that nature. Just having like a lower bed, which is nice to get into. Yeah. And I can't sleep like on a high bed anymore because it's just super uncomfortable. I don't know why I sleep really bad and I sleep on high beds. Um, is it the fear of maybe not being able to get in or get out of it? No, I think it's just like the level now. It's oh, just like, okay. sleep, like <laughs> I sleep like super high up. I'm like, I don't like this. This is not fun. <laughs> like I like sleeping closer to the floor for some reason. It's really comfortable. Just shower stool, shower bench, so I can do all that stuff. No grab bars. Just make it work. There's always a way to make it work somehow. You can always find a way around things. Yeah. Do you stand at all? Because I know some – it's just different for each paraplegic. I've seen some paraplegics. They can stand if they're holding on to something. Yeah, that tends to be like an incomplete injury. Those people kind of have like some nerve connection there. Got it. And they can do that. Um, for me, I can a little bit. I had mm-hmm. to use a walker, like you said, something to kind of prop myself up on. But my legs will spasm for a little bit, which will help me stand and not really put so much stress in my arms and my wrist of me holding myself up. Mm-hmm. But once that stops, then it's just me kind of holding myself up. But I definitely try to stand. It's really good to get your body upright and not constantly be sitting down. And it's good for your bowels and just good for everything, blood flow. So I tried to do that as much as possible. And I actually have a funny story about that. Um, I was in Vegas for a Supercross race and we were at the after party and this guy that used to race dirt bikes who actually ended up in a wheelchair, who was like one of my heroes, like he was really, really Aww. good. He was there and like he saw me and I was the only other person in a wheelchair there. So naturally he rolls up to me, may have had a few adult drinks in him at the time. <laughs> and he <laughs> starts like, he's just like, hey man, like so good to see you here, like blah, blah, blah. And he just asked me all his questions. He's like, can you stand? And I had a few adult drinks at the time as well. And I was like, I mean, yeah, but I need a walker. Someone's like, no, he's like, go stand up. Like, go stand right now. And I was like, like, where? He's like, just go stand. And I was like, all right, Doug Henry, like, you're my hero. We'll go figure it out. <laughs> and there's this little cutout in the dance floor where, like, you could kind of stand and watch 
down to what was going on below. Mm -hmm. And so I went over there and I pushed myself up on this glass thing and damn near flipped over on my head. But I stood up for it. <laughs> was that and, one of the first times or was that just... Uh, it, it was like early on. Early on. Yeah, I wasn't that comfortable <laughs> with doing it, but I did it anyway. And yeah. <laughs> what is it? What was it like for you to meet someone who also was in a similar injury but also did something that you loved was it like looking in a mirror a little bit i think it was just so like out of left field that i didn't even have time to think about it at the time i was just like oh shit like that's that guy i know him like i watched him i grew up watching the movies with him in it and here he is now telling me to stand up and it just seemed more of like a like a kinship, like a brotherhood, essentially. Like we were the only two people there with this thing that was going on. And you brothers. Yeah. I didn't really see it as something like, Oh man, he's like me. You know, it's just like, Oh, we're going through the same shit. <laughs> I guess. What's some life advice you would give? You know, it's funny is like, I do interviews every now and then. And sometimes people ask me these questions and I feel like I should have something like ready to go and sometimes i'll think of something like laying in bed i'm like oh that'd be a good response for that <laughs> and then of course when that happens can't think of anything like witty or like quotable or anything like that but i think just the best life advice is that it always gets better it, it always does and a lot of happiness and things to do with that are all an inside job a lot of the things that we put in our body like fast food and not exercising and alcohol and what we consume on the tv or in our Twitter newsfeed or Facebook or Instagram really affects us all. And sometimes we don't do like an audit of that, of what we kind of consume. And I think that affects the people a lot more than what they think. So just starting with things like that, of just being able to shut out a lot of negativity and kind of put just good things into your life is a good way to go and just to help yourself get better, especially coming out of high school. I was never somebody that was really studious or cared to learn about anything new, but I got to a point where I was very stagnant in life and I didn't really do anything to better myself. And I could tell that I was just like getting fatter and really depressed and just like sad. And I was like, wait a minute, like this doesn't have anything to do with what anybody's done to me. It's like me, like I'm not doing anything. So I guess my best advice for life is not to stay still and just try to progress and try to be a better person person every day or at least work on something every day that helps you mentally or physically like you gotta take care of yourself and taking care of yourself like you mentioned exercising is so important can you tell me a typical gym routine that you do <laughs> so those gates <laughs> so i guess my normal gym routine is just pushing my wheelchair around but when i do go to the gym i like to just i go to la fitness and they have hand like a little arm hand cycle thing there so I like to roll into that and just do an hour, hour 45 minutes of cardio. Um, my arms are already pretty big from pushing myself around and lifting myself up all the time. So I don't want to get any bigger and bulkier because I'm already not that tall. So <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to like, you know, stay in shape and like stay toned or whatever. So we do light lifting on the machines, um, high repetitions, play basketball for a little bit. And then I like to pick up those medicine balls and like put it up over my head and throw it down on one side, pick it up, throw it down on the other side and kind of do an ab workout that way. Yeah. And then just staying active, just going out and being a part of life because pushing a wheelchair is a lot of work in general. So I'm sure <laughs> I can only imagine I have a power one. So it does all the work for me. Sometimes I wish I did, <laughs> but I know I'd be and super battery lazy life. and I eat really bad. So I, I definitely need to stay active. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me what it's like dating since you've had your injury 14 
you're young, so like you're still not doing things yet, essentially. Or maybe you are, you're starting to. Yeah, yeah. Um, dating in a wheelchair is a little bit weird, I guess. Because, like I said, I think these people have misconceptions and ideas of like, does it work? Can you do stuff? Like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then I guess for being a man, I know women like to be taken care of. They like to have a man that's like around to be a manly man. And sometimes I can't do all that stuff. So I don't really mess around with the tenders or profiles like that where people just can see me in a wheelchair and not get to know me. Luckily, I have a decent personality. I can talk to people, have a good smile, I guess. A little charm. <laughs> yeah, got a little bit of charm. I can smile at people and that helps a lot. So, I mean, dating hasn't been bad. I mean, it's been pretty fun. I'm single now for like three years and I'm really enjoying it. I'm planning on staying single another two years at least. I have all these things I'm trying to check off. And yeah, you have got dreams some goals. and goals. Yeah, exactly. Trying to change the world with your app. Yeah, I'm very focused now, so... I mean, it's been fun. I hang out with plenty of people. I have friends that are just friends, and I have friends that are a little bit more than friends. It's been good. Nice. <laughs> I enjoy it. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it's the same thing. It's those dating apps can be challenging because mm-hmm. that's the, it's all first impression. Exactly. And it's a lot of it is superficial. And that you see someone in a wheelchair and they're like, nope. 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 Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not dealing with that. Too much trouble. And do I you think- ever, do you ever have devotees? Have you heard of that before? What is that? So I'm in this big like group of people. Yeah. So apparently a devotee is somebody tends to be with women, but they're like devoted to helping these people that have disabilities and like they're like super like weird and it's kind of like a fetish for some people of girls with disabilities <laughs> like there's this one girl i know named jesse she i have to introduce you to her sometime she does a lot of really cool stuff but she'll like make videos of her transferring like in and out of stuff or in and out of the car or like standing up or doing certain things and the video will end up on pornhub <laughs> they put it on Pornhub as like a fetish thing. It's really weird. What? It's crazy. Yeah. I'll have to show you more That's about this. weird. Yeah. And they get crazy messages from people talking about like, I want to help you and just really weird stuff. So. Yeah. I'm I not a part of that. Yeah, at least good. not that I know of. <laughs> yeah. You <laughs> might, you might have videos somewhere that you don't know about. Hopefully I don't about. have any videos <laughs> on that. Oh my. Um, hey, yeah, I haven't heard any press that. is good press, right? <laughs> no, I don't know about that. <laughs> sure we'll go with that we're trying to build our brand in a positive light hey there's a lot of traction on those sites i'm sure yeah there is there's definitely a lot of people (laughs) i don't know if you're attracting the right ones but you're attracting somebody (laughs) yeah your message is getting out there somehow (laughs) yeah no okay do you have anything else to share about Mm. what your life has been like i don't know just be good to people pay it forward keep working hard never give up (laughs) all those positive affirmations meditate Uh, i really like to put that out there that's something that's helped me a lot i mean i just do like 10 minute guided meditation in the morning super easy to do one takes 10 minutes one of those apps no i use youtube and i have like a whole list like i've created my own little motivation meditation list on my a playlist on youtube so just doing stuff like that i think helps and you know stay active have fun be good to people i don't know Nice. That's a, always a good way to live. Be good yeah. to people. Have a good it, attitude. When you're good to people or like you just give selflessly with no aims of getting thing in, anything in return, I've noticed that like my life has started to go like I started donating. Like I'd never done that before. I always didn't think I had enough money to donate or give away. But I was just giving away money I didn't technically have. And for some reason, some things would just work out. Like, I don't know what it was, but I feel like the better person you are, the more things just fall into place for you. So, 
All right. Thank you, Brandon. And give us your plug. Where can people find you? You can find me personally at BMW, Brandon Michael Winfield, 937. That's on Instagram, Twitter. Facebook is BWIN937. But yeah, you can find me there. And then www.iaccesslife.com. It's where you can find our website. You can find us in the App Store, Android and iOS at iAccessLife. And then at iAccessLife on all social media handles as well. Great. Well, thank you, Brandon, for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. As always, if you liked this episode, go ahead and give it a five-star rating. You can text me with any comments, suggestions, feedbacks, and ideas at 470-588-1215. As always, transcripts are in the notes if you want to take a read. And I will see you next week. Take care.